Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. My name is Colleen Edwards-Chesley, and you are listening to Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, Women in Leadership. We are on show number 13, and this is sponsored by um, Pensacola Business Radio X. We are so excited to be here today. We have an amazing guest in our studio today. But before we get to her, I'd like to just give you some more information about the organization. As I mentioned, this show is brought to you by Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. We are a local not-for-profit organization born right here in Pensacola, Florida. And we do as much as we can to help promote, advance, and improve women in business. Um, we end up doing that in a couple different ways. One of the ways we do that is through our monthly networking meetings. We have a meeting in Pensacola. We also have a meeting in Gulf Breeze as well. If you want to attend one of those meetings, they are women-only meetings, uh, but you can find us on Facebook at Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, and we've got all of our meetings listed there. We are also doing a fundraiser for Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. It's our very first one ever, and that is going to be next Wednesday, the 15th, at Painting with a Twist. If you've never experienced painting with a twist, it's a great time. You come, you don't have to have any artistic talent, and you sit down and their instructors walk you through a guided uh, painting. And we've chosen a uh, splatter background with a wine glass painting, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have nibbles, we'll have some beverages there. We're also going to have a resource table for everybody to put out business cards and flyers so we can make it more of a networking meeting as well. But if you're interested in that event, that is open to men and women, and it does not have to be anybody that's associated with Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast uh, to be able to attend. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can find that event on our Facebook page as well. And 50% of the profits are being donated by Painting with a Twist back to Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. So we are very excited about that. Another thing that we do is we do have a monthly, I'm sorry, not a monthly, but about a quarterly print magazine that we produce. In it, we interview women and men sometimes, and we get information that can just help anybody in business be more successful. So we focus on areas like leadership, mentoring, business tips, um, different resources that people are using, and just get some generic information out there just to help support everybody locally, but also in the in the whole Gulf Coast area on ways that they can improve themselves professionally and personally as well. And then another thing that we do is we do Power Up. We are actually in our third challenge period of Power Up. Power Up is a 12-week educational course that we offer for both men and women. And, and again, it's not something that you have to be a member of Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast to attend, but it is hour and a half long meetings for 12 weeks on Thursdays from 4.30 to 6 o'clock held right here in downtown Pensacola. And we go through four different subject areas. So we'll have three classes on business efficiency, things like what tools are our business owners using to make their lives much easier, how to organize your calendar, how to work on work-life balance, lots of different topics like that under business efficiency. We also cover marketing. And specifically, we went through two classes already on LinkedIn. And we also go through classes on how to set up a CRM system for your managing your business cards and all these contacts that you run into, uh, different topics like that under the marketing arena. And then we also do networking. So we do three different classes on networking. I kind of break it up into networking before, networking during, and networking after. 
just like with a normal business plan, I believe everybody should have a networking plan for their business as well. Don't just show up to networking events and expect that it's going to turn into business. But having a direct plan will actually allow you to make the most out of your networking efforts. Um, and then the fourth subject that we cover in Power Up is sales skills. So we go through what I call ready, aim, and fire are the three classes under sales skills. So it's all about what do you do before you get in front of a potential client? What do you do during the meeting when you're sitting with a client? And then what do you do after you've had that meeting with a potential client? All those different things will help you make more out of the relationship and also help you keep better track of potential clients that or potential, you know, prospects that turn into potential clients. So if you're interested in Power Up, we are in the middle of our third session of Power Up and you can sign up at any time. You can find that information also on our Facebook page as well. So if you'd like more information about our organization, we do have our Powerful Women of the, the Gulf Coast website. That is at www.powerfulwomengulfcoast.com. And then we have our Facebook page, Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. We'd love to have you join us there and um, and check out some of our events or get involved in some of the programs that we offer. And now on to our guest. I'm super excited today to have Dr. Rebecca Kennedy in the studio with us today. And I have known her for a little while now. Uh, but she is an amazing resource for us here in the community and also with the University of West Florida. She is an assistant vice president and the director of counseling and psychological services at the University of West Florida. And she helps provide leadership not only to the counseling and psychological services, but also to recreation and sports services, student health services, wellness services. And she also holds the status of chief mental health, health officer at the university. Um, she um, has an amazing background, but I'm most moved by something else that she started at the university that was inspired by the book Lean In. And she started a women's professional develop, development and support meeting for staff, faculty, and graduate students back in 2014. Rebecca, welcome. Please tell us a little bit more about this initiative that you started. Yeah. So when the book Lean In came out, there was so much buzz about it. And here we have all these amazing women at the university. And I thought, you know, we need to do something here to sort of get us engaged and kind of get us into circles. So initially we thought, well, let's have a sort of get together networking meeting and see if we can um, pull people into circles and, and really follow the traditional. If you've, if you looked at the Lean In website and, and are familiar with the book, they have these circles that they mm -hmm. do of eight or nine people. But we realized that with everybody's busy schedules and sort of the craziness of that, it was hard for women to commit to one individual circle. But what they would commit to is coming as often as they possibly could to a monthly meeting. So we have a number of people who just sort of pop in when they can. And then we have others that are regulars that just won't miss it, right. you know, that are present every single time. That um, And then we have young professionals that come into the university and are with us for a little while uh, and then find some other opportunity. And so they'll be with us for a little while and get all the great information that we have to share. Um, and it helps them propel themselves into other kinds of opportunities. So it's been really exciting. That is awesome. I know I've checked out. I've read the book Lean In and I'm I'm a huge fan of of Lean In. I love the information that Sheryl Sandberg talks about in that book. And I've been kind of the same as you just mentioned. I haven't been able to commit to a circle because my life is so busy right. and it just 
sometimes their meetings are at a time where I could attend. Other times there's just absolutely no way. And then I look at my schedule and I think it, you know, do I really want to put something else on, on my agenda and on top of everything else I'm doing? So do you find by doing a monthly meeting where, um, where they can kind of come and go, do you think that it's, that it, um, is helpful if they attend just one or two meetings? Are you going through topics that don't necessarily require these women to be bonded over a long period of time, which is kind of the traditional way that circles have done. Yeah, I, I think it's very helpful, actually, because we will pick information either from the Lean In website. It's got all kinds of educational um, information on it. And uh, we'll use something like that. Or we'll pick a TED Talk. You know, there's lots of amazing TED Talks out there for women in leadership or some of the different issues that come up for the um, people that attend. Mm-hmm. And so we will just, um, I set a curriculum for us. Again, it's only 12 a year. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's that difficult. There's so much amazing stuff out there. Yeah. There have been times where we've decided as a group that we wanted to meet a little bit more frequently. Mm-hmm. So uh, last summer, we met every two weeks instead of meeting uh, once a month. And we took some of the sort of series that are available. There's one on centered leadership that's really good. Um, there's another one that's specifically just about women in the workplace that's a series that's on the Lean In website. And so we went through those. We decided, let's just commit to these. And then that way people could, they went, they missed the discussion, but they could catch up. If they missed one because they were on vacation, taking their summer vacation, mm-hmm. they could go ahead and just watch that module sort of on their own. And then they could just come back in without ever, you know, kind of missing a beat. Very cool. So you've made it flexible so that people can, like you said, if they have to miss a meeting for whatever reason, then it's not a big deal to try to get caught up. And they don't, it's also not so obtrusive that, that it's okay. Now you've got to read an entire book, right? You know, it's, it's, it sounds like it's much shorter content and it's easily absorbable. Yeah. We always have a video or something to read and I always send it out ahead of time. So, you know, we publish this to staff, faculty and the graduate student employees uh, ahead of time. And so they have an opportunity if they want to not attend the meeting, they can actually just look at the TED talk or or watch Mm -hmm. the content on Mm -hmm. their own. And uh, it's funny because, you know, if we start waning in our membership, you know, like there's been a couple of times there's only 10 or 12 people there and I'm sort of like, "Hmm, I wonder what we should do if I send something out to the group, what I always hear back is, oh, I couldn't make this one, but I'm so glad you sent out the link. I went ahead and I watched it. I'm so glad you're doing this. Please don't stop. So um, yeah, so I think it's reaching a much larger group than those Mm -hmm. people that are actually present every month. Right. And all of your attendees are all affiliated with the university, right? Yeah, we haven't really closed it off and said that no one else could come. Right. Um, but we did want to make sure uh, on behalf of the staff and faculty that they would be able to really speak freely about all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have not allowed students to participate in it uh, okay. in terms of the undergraduate students. But Got the it. graduate student employees, you know, those are folks that w- they're in a professional um, role with us. And mm-hmm. so they actually have been really... Um, you know, big takers on this, you know, yeah. and, uh, but we have folks that are nearing retirement, you know, that regularly come. I know, you know, Dr. Wiley, Dr. Yes. Wiley, uh, I she will, Dr. I Wiley. do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she'll come and she'll join us and she's so wise and has so much to she offer. Is. And, um, yeah, so it's just really a great group of women. We've occasionally had a man come. We actually don't Good. close it to men. Good. Um, and so they'll occasionally come to kind of see what it's about. And that's gone really well too. Um, but it really is focused on the professional development of women and some of the issues that are unique to women. That's very cool. That's mm-hmm. very cool. You know, and, and I think it's, um, I think it is a men and a women's, you know, arena. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned that you occasionally have a man that comes. We do restrict powerful women to, 
just women for certain activities, but mm-hmm. we open up up to men, men and women for other activities. And right. as a matter of fact, I spoke last August at the university. Mm-hmm. I brought Dr. Wiley with me mm-hmm. um, to have her share her experience too. And I think there were more men in attendance that day than there were women. Awesome. So, you know, that surprised me because I wouldn't have thought that would have happened. Right. But I think in the university setting, it's much more, um, it's much, it's made much more aware that men and women struggle with a lot of the same, you know, same, same issues. Absolutely. Do you see that as well in what you do with the psychological services? Yeah, I do think that, um, yeah, you, you definitely see some of the men struggling with some of the same issues. You know, there are mm-hmm. ceilings of all sorts. It's not just a gender ceiling. You know, right. there's many isms out right. there that are sort of <laughs> impacting individuals. Right. And so, yeah. um, yeah, lots of folks are struggling, uh, trying to sort of figure that out. And, and what we hear from a lot of women is that, you know, because, uh, you know, much of the folks in the higher administrative positions tend to be men or have for mm-hmm. a long time, women have found mentors in men. Uh, there's lots of amazing fathers out there who have lifted up their daughters and really mm-hmm. encouraged their daughters to go big, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not a, just a women only issue. Obviously, I know that the people that have promoted me in my lifetime have been men and they have really been great mentors to me. And, you know, one of them has three daughters and I always tease him about that. You know, he's got three daughters and a wife and, uh, right. you know, and he really, he understands these things, but he sees talent where talent is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for him, it's, it's not about, you know, uh, the gender of the individual. It's about recognizing that talent and really encouraging and growing that. Right. Absolutely. What are some of the other struggles that, that you see young women or even young men um, and it doesn't have to be young, but but the people that you're exposed to, what are some of the struggles, the specific ones that you're seeing? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of the imposter syndrome out there in colleges yes. and universities where students have made it to college. And even sometimes when they're really solid students, you know, they just mm-hmm. worry about, you know, can I be that? Am mm-hmm. I smart enough? Am I whatever enough, you know, mm-hmm. um, to sort of do whatever it is? And it- Explain imposter syndrome. I'm I'm aware of it, but I'm I'm not sure how many of our listeners are. Yeah. So take a moment and just explain. What yeah. That so is. this is not something that psychologists talk about. It's kind of a layman's sort of. It is. Uh, it's topic, becoming but, very, very. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say trendy, but it's becoming in mm-hmm. the mainstream yeah. media quite a bit. And I think the reason that we identify it as it, you know, um, so easily with it is because to to be an imposter means sort of to be in a place where you don't feel like you have the credentials or the status or the intelligence or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that somehow you're an imposter, you know, mm-hmm. that um, so in the college and university setting, you know, they're in there with all these other college students and they look around and they think, oh, everybody else probably has better SATs or did better in high school or, you know, they imagine everybody has two parents that are married and a white picket fence at home and, you know, all mm-hmm. of these other kinds of things. It's really not true. You know, college students come from all kinds of different backgrounds. And they all have their own personal struggles and uh, things that they need to sort of overcome. But the imposter syndrome is really getting at that um, sort of self-efficacy barrier. That's how the psychologists would talk about right, it. Right, right. They would fancy. say, yes, that we're, <laughs> we're lacking self-efficacy, which basically means that, you know, we don't assess ourselves or give ourselves the status of being able to do something that actually we can do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, changing someone's self-efficacy is helping them recognize what their strengths and abilities are and allowing them to just pursue those things by changing the way they view themselves. Right. Is it more than just lack of confidence? It is definitely more than lack of confidence. Yeah. It's um, it's embedded in all of the ways in which they see the world, you know. So it's not necessarily about 
Do I think I can be that? It's also about, do I think someone will hire me to be that? Oh, wow. So again, you know, if I am coming from a non-majority group and, um, you know, then I'm, I'm wondering, are they going to hire me to be the hostess? You know, are they going to hire me to be on the radio? Are they going to hire me to be the TV anchor? You know, if I want to be, um, you know, someone that's on the news, uh, what box do I need to fit? You know, I can be as good as I can be, but then do I have this other credential that people will want that may be, again, something that I have no control over? Right. So it's, and when I think about self-confidence, self-confidence confidence is very internal. It's just looking at yourself, whereas imposter syndrome almost seems like you're comparing yourself to others. It's it's outside of just yourself. It's about everybody else that you're surrounding right. yourself with or anybody else that would come in that, you know, proximity. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, it, so it's interesting, you know, if we think about um, sort of the new movie that's out, Hidden Figures, you know, yes. I don't think that those women in that movie really saw themselves as imposters, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't struggling mm-hmm. with the imposter syndrome, but they were really aware of some of the problems that they were encountering, you know? Mm-hmm. So in the situation, you know, where she's... um you know, uh, in a room where she's an African-American female and everybody else is a white male. Um, you know, it's not that she's got the imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence or other kinds of things. I mean, she knows there are some realities about she can't even drink the same coffee at that time that these white men are drinking, that her restroom is literally a half a mile across the NASA complex that she's got to try and get to because that's where the African-American restroom, or as they called it then, the colored restroom is. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, self-confidence is not, you know, what's going on there. Self-efficacy is not what's going on there. And she's not experiencing an imposter syndrome there are literal barriers that are right. present in the environment. Mm-hmm. And I think those things are true today for our college students. There are true barriers that are out there that we're trying to break down that you and the work that you're doing, you're breaking down those barriers mm-hmm. and really working on the structural kinds of things. But then there's also the internal piece, which is what's actually going on for the individual, which is that sometimes they feel like, mm, I'm acting like I'm above my raisin, you know, or mm-hmm. I'm you know, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. I've said from, you know, when I was five that I'm going to be a physician when I grow up, but now I'm in this room in med school and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, can I really do this? You know, Mm -hmm. I've told everybody I can, but now I got to make good on this. Right. And so it is this sort of internal kind of piece that's going on, but it's not the full picture. Preparation versus uh, meets reality. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's um, that moment where it's like, okay, I've done all this prep work. I've I've put myself in the right, like you said, in the room. Right. But do I have the ability to actually, right. you know, move forward? Or not even just the ability, sometimes the desire as desire. well. Desire. You know, that's okay. one of the things with the book Lean In. That's one of the big criticisms is she, you know, talks about it as a, um, that somehow we have this gap in our um, you know, aspiring to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for many women, they don't want to be in that leadership role in that way. They have other things that are really important to them. They have other things they desire or value. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like fighting that fight every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not everybody wants to run for, you know, political office. And there's right. a reason. There's a lot of headaches that come with running right. for a political office. And um, and it's sort of similar to that in some ways. So it's I think it's not just about preparation, you know, but it's also about do I have the desire to do what it's going to take to do whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I've decided to do. Right, right. That's amazing. And I, lo- I do love the book Lean In. I think it's it's phenomenal. It goes through a ton of information um, that that has really helped me 
uh, for sure. And I know you, um, you've quoted Lean In a few times already since we've been talking and also looking through um, the notes here, I know how much of an impact that's been for you. Oh, huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I may have an issue with her ambition gap because I don't think women are struggling with an ambition gap. I just right. think sometimes their ambition is to raise healthy children right. or to run a household in a really different way, you know, mm-hmm. like um, to run it, you know, beautifully with mm-hmm. all of the, you know, again, you can go to a place and buy a Halloween costume or you can spend two weeks making a Halloween costume. And I think both of those things are perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people desire to hand make a costume for a kid that they'll always remember. And I think we shouldn't diminish that as this person is lacking ambition to move up in the world or whatever right, it is, exactly, you know, because she spent two weeks on something right. she could have just done in an hour. Absolutely. Right. right. Mm-hmm. She made something that was really art and mm-hmm. uh, that that kid will never forget. And that really usually everybody in the whole neighborhood will never forget, you know, Absolutely. and that every other mother is probably thinking, oh, my God, I wish. Mm-hmm. I wish I made a different choice here in terms of that, you know, Absolutely. or that I had that ability. But yeah, but lean in the book overall. Oh, gosh, it's just huge for me. I mean, that idea of sitting at the table mm-hmm. for me at the University of West Florida, that was a key um thing to understand, you know, that when I first became an assistant vice president, I had two separate people say, you know, Rebecca, you probably need to sit at the front with the vice president because, you know, here I am a psychologist. I'm really egalitarian and I'm used to sort of just sitting in with everyone else, kind of Mm -hmm. trying to minimize the status things. You know, when somebody comes in as a client, you know, you may not even introduce yourself as Dr. Kennedy. You know, you Mm -hmm. might just say, hi, I'm Rebecca. You know, what is it that brings you in? And you're trying to sort of de-escalate that sort of difference in, um, in status. And so, you know, here I am sitting with everybody else around the table and I'm, I'm sitting at the table, but I'm not at the front of the table, which is right. where my role really calls for me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've become much more comfortable uh, sitting at the front of the table. Good for you. I think that's awesome. And I know you do a lot of things really successful, but I want to ask you some harder questions about what things maybe you struggle with, um, because life doesn't always work the same way that we planned it to. So as far as things that challenge you daily, um, I know that um, that you are a passionate person and um, I can imagine that that, you know, that does get in the way. So tell me a little bit about that. Is that one of the things that you struggle with? Yeah. I mean, I have all these ideas of all these cool things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the great thing about having lots of ideas is that if something falls through, you always have something else that you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, you know, very aware that I could be very happy doing five or six different kinds of things that really are different career paths. They're all psychologist sort of oriented, mm-hmm. but I could be a university administrator. I could have a full-time private practice. I could do speakers kinds of things and be really happy. I could write a book. I could be a professor. You know, all of those things are really interesting to me. And so I think one of the things I struggle with most is, okay, what do I do right now? You know, how do I prioritize things today? Um, and, uh, you know, another thing that's really important to me is my family. I have four children and, uh, they are, you know, so important to me and I'm so aware they grow up so fast, you know, and, um, you kind of have to treasure every moment, you know, Mm -hmm. and before you know it, you turn around and, you know, they're moving out and, um, that really changes things in terms of the relationship. And so I feel like I'm trying to savor, Every moment with them of all those special things, you know, I had this occasion where my oldest, you know, she had um, prom, but I didn't know she had prom when I set up my business trip six months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then prom came 
And my mm-hmm. book, my flight was already booked. Oh no. And I was sort of freaked out about it. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? You and know, so you would have been gone during her prom. I would have been gone for prom. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what? This is worth a $150 change ticket. Mm-hmm. And if anybody gives me anything, any heartache about this, mm-hmm. I'm going to defend this because you know what? She's going to two or three proms, you know, like that's right. what we've got here, you know, right. in a lifetime. And I'm not going to miss it. I will not miss it for the world. And yeah. so um, I changed my business trip and uh, modified it so that I could uh, be present for that. So I think that's the thing that I struggle with most is some things are kind of time sensitive, you know, yeah. um, you know, you can, um, you, you just can't do them forever, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm recognizing that children grow. Mm-hmm. And so I have to kind of delay some things, um, until a little bit later. Um, but I think it's great because it's like, I'm sort of planning for my empty nest, you know, like right. I know that eventually there will be an empty nest and I will be really grieving if I don't have other kind of things that I'm passionate about. And I have tons of things I'm passionate about. Absolutely. So I know that will be when I write my book. That will be when I trademark this or that or do whatever it is that I, you know, all these other things that I would love to do. That's when I'll pick up and, you know, potentially try a new university or try a new practice or try something different. Absolutely. So instead of viewing it as not having enough having enough time today, it's more about taking those tasks and maybe moving them to more appropriate times during your yes. timeline. Yeah, I always say for myself, you know, each one in time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hope I live long enough, you know, to sort Mm -hmm. of reach a lot of those different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But I just have to really think about, okay, what's the priority? And then what's the priority now? Right. And, and really come to a place in my heart where I know that that's a place that I can sleep and I can sort of be settled with. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So for, you know, so many of the, um, decisions that I have to make on a daily basis, I'm really just, again, you know, taking a moment, whether it's in the shower or in the car or, you know, out on the back deck, you know, and and really asking myself that question, like, okay, is this something I need to do right now? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that I can hold off on and I can still reach that? I just can't do it right now. Right. When I interviewed Dr. Wiley and she is interviewed just for our listeners, she was interviewed and in, I believe it was our second edition of the magazine where I interviewed her and wrote an article about her. She's a phenomenal woman. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of her article, at least what I chose to write about, her interview was just amazing. Um, but I always have to condense down just a small portion to be able to, to write about. It. And what yeah. I chose to write about was her philosophy about how she is so tuned into mindfulness Mm -hmm. and it's all about the present moment and what what are we doing right in this moment so that's exactly what you were just talking about yes as far as your prioritization is is not necessarily what's most important but what needs to be done right at this moment right it's that concept of mindfulness right and we do that in our business work all the time absolutely (laughs) you know know, i mean we end up you know there's a fire that's happening and we're like oh wait a minute i'm gonna reprioritize this and move this to the top and and you understand mm-hmm. the time sensitive nature of it you know so mm-hmm. it's it's about managing your life in some ways how you manage any successful thing in business mm-hmm. and you've taught classes on work life balance I for have. the university mm-hmm. so give us just a few because you did bring up some work life balance topics just now mm-hmm. so give us a few tips on how you handle work life balance i know for me personally I, I have a, a problem with the concept of, of or at least the just the words work-life balance, <laughs> because in my mind, that means 50% work and 50%, you know, life. Mm-hmm. And my 
world is never 50-50. And because of what I do, I don't have set hours. I don't clock in and clock out. Right. I'm working on Powerful Women, you know, at all times of the day. And I'm also, you know, running an errand to Target in the middle of the day. Right. So my life is more about work-life integration. Mm-hmm. So tell me your thoughts on work-life balance and, and kind of the tips that work for you. And and as you mentioned, you've got four children. Right. I can imagine work-life balance is a huge piece of what you do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really about prioritization. You know, I mean, I love mm-hmm. the way that you talked about that in terms of integration. That probably is a better term to use than balance, <laughs> you know, um, because I think most times, you know, people don't feel particularly balanced in, no. in it. You know, I mean, often when we're making decisions, it's not like 100% of me is like, yes, let me do this. And 0% of me is like, no. Sometimes it's, you know, um, a different kind of split. It's an 80-20 split. 80% mm-hmm. of me is like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And 20% is like, ah, should I be doing this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some decisions where we make them where it's almost like a 51-49, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we have a lot of concern about kind of whatever it is we're needing to do, but we're having to do one or the other, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that prioritization is really what it's about for me in terms of really thinking about, okay, what's most important? You know, we really, we're never promised tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I always talk about, you know, if relationships are the most important thing to you, make sure that you're really investing in the relationships that you say are that important. If you're journeying through life with an individual that you think of as your partner, um, then that person probably has to have a pretty prominent space in your world. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure you're not neglecting that so long that you don't have that anymore. So it really is about this prioritization where you're not neglecting one side or the other too often. But it doesn't mean that you won't be working on a particular project. And so you're really focused on that. And you're sort of saying, hey, honey, hey, kids, you know, um, we're going to, you know, take a little vacation here in about three weeks. But right now, mom's focused on these mm-hmm. things. And, you know, I'm not going to be around as much. And, you know, here's some ways in which I need you to kind of pitch in and help out um, to sort of make these things happen. But then you're going to flip it on the other side and um, sort of figure out sort of how to integrate those things. And this is true. You know, a lot of times at the university, we have a lot of young women or or just women that just don't have children, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is, of course, yeah, a way to live your life. And right. uh, there's still lots of what we think of as life uh, that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with children. And I think, you know, that topic of work-life balance is almost always people talking about the pull that many women experience in terms of kids mm-hmm. and the priority of kids. Um, but we women who don't have children struggle with this issue just as much. Absolutely. I mean, I'm it one is, of those. Yes. And it is mm-hmm. so difficult, really, because, you know, the thing that will get you out of your office very often is a very expensive payment <laughs> to a <laughs> child care provider. You know, if the child yes. care provider is like, if you're not here by six you know, 30, then it's $5 a minute, you know, um, for right. every minute that you're I late. I never thought about that. Oh, you're yeah. Absolutely right. That gets you out of the office, you know, mm-hmm. or the fact that, you know, you've got to, you know, um, feed them, bathe them, do homework and get them to bed. That gets you out of your office, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But the folks that don't have that, that is pulling at them, I think they struggle even a little bit more in terms of that because, you know, our work is so much about who we are. And it Mm -hmm. is, it is our life. It is our Mm -hmm. life's work. Mm -hmm. And many of us have careers that we love. You know, it's not just a job. Right. It is our passion. Mm -hmm. And so we could do that passion all the time, Mm -hmm. except we have these other 
things that are sort of pulling at us. Right. And, um, you know, it's important for folks to sort of figure out, okay, what are these other things that I'm also passionate about beyond those things that I would think of as work? Mm -hmm. And how do I make sure that I get those into my life? Absolutely. And it really is about prioritization. And I always encourage folks to look not just at the short term, but the long term. Mm -hmm. So again, short term, you can neglect your health. You can, you know, uh, eat at your desk. You can never exercise and mm-hmm. you can do those kinds of things. But there's a point where all of us get to be at a certain age mm-hmm. where, um, you know, type 2 diabetes starts looking at us or, yep. you know, other kinds of um, illnesses that sometimes, not always are those related to lifestyle, but sometimes those things are related to lifestyle and us sort of neglecting what we know we need, which is, of course, everybody needs to get decent sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. They need to get a good night's sleep yes. and uh, they need to exercise and they need to eat right. And when we don't do those things, it really becomes problematic. And that's what I usually see people lacking in terms of their work life integration or their work life mm-hmm. balance is mm-hmm. that they're not taking care of themselves because they're so passionate about their work mm-hmm. that they're focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that again, if children are part of the equation too, you know, is that what gets lost? <laughs> It's taking care of self, you know, Um, and yet I think we're better workers when we have time for reflection. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether you have children or not, you need to integrate in some time for you. You've got to take care of yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things I will talk with folks about is, you know, when you get on an airplane Mm -hmm. and they say, you know, put on your oxygen mask Mm -hmm. first. Yep. And they make a point of it, you know, like. So it's obvious that this became an issue, right? right? This is an issue. Or it doesn't come natural. Right. It doesn't come mm-hmm. naturally for people to, they they put on masks of other people and then yep. they're fainting, you exactly. know, because they don't exactly. have oxygen. Yeah. And so I often encourage my clients, I'm like, you know, when you do things with yourself or for yourself, sometimes that's for the long term mm-hmm. of you'll be able to help more people. If your goal is to help others or your goal is to make progress, you know, in whatever it is that you're trying to make progress on, you have to have a long-term view sometimes about, okay, good work-life balance is going to mean success for my work mm-hmm. because otherwise there'll be a point where you can't do it. You know, um, you don't have your oxygen mask on right. and you can't help anyone else. And, you know, you're, you know, you're in bed for a few weeks or kind of whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's just important for folks to, um, you know, again, prioritize kind of what needs to be done, get a long-term view, you know, mm-hmm. not just a short-term view mm-hmm. uh, of what it is and and figure out, you know, okay, what do I need to do again long-term so I don't burn out, so I'm still passionate about this issue? Mm-hmm. How can I take care of myself, take care of my relationships? Mm-hmm. You know, if I say that relationships are really important, I probably need to spend some time with those people. Right. If those people are far away, I probably need to adjust my budget so that I can you know, make sure that I can visit occasionally and I need to adjust my time schedule so that I can take some time off to sort of integrate those things in. Because what, you know, always breaks my heart is when people come into therapy with regrets about something that now they just can't take back, you know, where they just, they didn't prioritize something that they needed to prioritize, you know, um, you know, figuring out a relationship that was a difficult relationship with somebody that was important to them, like a parent or a sibling, Mm -hmm. you know, and then something catastrophic happens and they can't go back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. great if you, again, recognize that these things are really important to you and put energy into them and not just into the one work passion you have that might be easier in some ways to do. Right, exactly. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, there are parenting classes out there that will teach you how to take care of children. But there are not really classes that teach you how to take care of yourself. Right. 
you know, and I think just looking at, at my background and, and, you know, my generate or not my generation, but where I was raised and, and my parents' point of view, it's always about taking care of the children. You know, you want to make sure the children have everything that they need. But there wasn't a lot of emphasis on taking care of yourself. Right. Um, that's something I've struggled with. I had, you know, I had some tough times in my 20s and 30s and finally probably figured out out in my 40s. But that was not something that was instilled in me as a child. But it certainly, was, it's know, not instilled in women. Period. Right. Exactly. I was <laughs> women are all women. about sacrifice. Yes, you know, yes. and they and that's what that's what you see a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. then they get into their 40s and 50s, and their body starts saying, you know, I mean, you know, that you can't do this anymore. Right. I mean, we have entire syndromes, you know, mm-hmm. that are related to people just being exhausted, right? Because they are giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, mm-hmm. and your body just cannot do that. And no. so, again, if you have that long term view and you sort of recognize, okay, I need to prioritize, you know, uh, healthy diet, um, exercise, you know, sleep, some time for fun, some reflection. And then I'm also going to integrate all this other stuff in that I'm passionate about, but I'm going to do those in a measured way, you right. know? Right. Um, and that idea of you've got to take care of yourself. I mean, what makes a great mother? <laughs> Somebody who is role modeling self-care. Absolutely. I mean, that is one yeah. of those things that's really yeah. important. You know, sometimes people will say, why? Well, I don't know if I have time to go out with the girlfriends or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you make time to right. do that because it's important Somebody's to show watching. your sons and daughters mm-hmm. About that. And it's also, mm-hmm. you know, there's this um, idea out there that, you know, people will treat you as you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some truth to that in some ways, you know, that if you really model for folks that you are a value, mm-hmm. um, then they recognize that and they treat you that way as well. Absolutely. I would agree. And, you know, on that same exact point, I mean, what you were just talking about, about um, taking care of yourself. When I was a financial planner, people would come in and they'd meet with me and they're when they had a little bit of free money and they were young and they had young children. Right. And a lot of times their focus would be, well, I need to go ahead and set up a college fund. Right. And that was their first in instinct. And a lot of times it was the women, but many times it was the men as well. Mm -hmm. And I would ask them, well, how's your retirement plan? (laughs) Oh, well, you know, my retirement plan is not important, but I want to make sure I've got something for my children. Right. And the reality is if, if you don't have the retire, your own retirement set up, then chances are, if you get into financial trouble, you're going to dip into the college fund. Right. I know technically you're not supposed to, but you know, that literally can happen. Yeah. But that was always the hardest concept for me to get in, you know, to, to show people was that, wait a minute, you've got to take care of yourself first. Right. So um, I definitely agree with that. And I think it goes across an, a lot of different areas. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I've done, and I don't know if, if um, you would agree with this, I'm going to throw this out here and see. Um, but in our work life classes that we teach for power up, mm-hmm. I go through the concept of an ideal week. Mm-hmm. And where basically you take a calendar and you look at, you know, five o'clock in the morning all the way till, you know, midnight, if, if that's when your day goes and you actually block out every portion of time. And um, I start by asking people, what are what are the priorities in your life? You know, family, uh, spiritual growth, professional development, career, um, health, um, exercise. You know, we look at all the different areas that may be priorities and then you take and you block out. Okay, I'm going to work from, you know, nine o'clock until, you know, five. I'm going to take a lunch break during this time or I may exercise during this time. I may go to church or I may practice my spiritual growth during this time. And you literally block everything out in your calendar. Right. And the scary thing, I think, about that exercise is every time I've gone to do it 
and a lot of the the participants in in our power up challenge what happens is they use up all the time and they still have more priorities that are sitting out right. there so how do you accomplish that how do you how do you fit all that stuff in that we really want to do i understand that that you do want to be balanced and you do want to make sure you're taking care of everything but physically in my world, there's never enough time. <laughs> so what do you do? Do you chop yeah. down the, each section into a smaller pieces or do you focus on different things from week to week or, or what are your thoughts on how do you accomplish that? Yeah, I think it depends on the individual. I mean, I think um, recognizing that there are limitations mm-hmm. and accepting that mm-hmm. is probably the first part, you know, yeah. that's just key. You mm-hmm. know, if you can sort of recognize that you're going to have to be satisfied, if you're going to be happy, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to be happy and sort of mm-hmm. satisfied in your world, mm-hmm. you're not going to get everything you want every day when you want it, you right. know? And, and that um, is the biggest thing I get out of that exercise yep. is just that, okay, in reality, I got to be okay that some of these things aren't going to be able to Absolutely. happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to that concept of, you know, in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things you can't neglect. You know, you need to brush your teeth. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, you need Shower to. Shower every day. Right. You yep. know, like there's some things that you just have to sort of incorporate mm-hmm. time in. And so then it's sort of looking at like, what are those things that you have to do? And then what are those other priorities that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of how can you fit those in? Um, my dad always teases. He's like, you know, if we ask him, what do you want for your birthday? He'll say a time extender. And uh-huh. um, and it really is, you know, Have you sort found of, one for him? No. Just let me know where you no. find that. I mean, I... I do. I mean, it's about healthy boundaries and learning to say no and learning to be satisfied with what you have and not always yearning for what you don't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, so often we are focused on what we don't have mm-hmm. and um, we are striving for what we want, mm-hmm. um, but we're also grieving sometimes what we don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not focusing on what we do have. And we really miss out when we don't allow ourselves to fully recognize what we already have. And, um, you know, we can see it when we look back, you know, somebody in their 40s looks back at their 20s and they can see, you know, what they have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody in their 20s, you know, just they can't, you know, I mean, again, it, it happens for each age, you know. Mm-hmm. But we just, we just don't always recognize what we have. And I think if there's something I can teach people um, about this, it's about, you know, having gratitude in the moment for what you have right now mm-hmm. and really focusing on that. It's not that you lose sight of the goals or the other kinds of things, but that you really, your satisfaction comes from what you have right now. And then mm-hmm. you pick a couple of other things that you're kind of working on and you just slowly but surely sort of chip away at them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we do that over time where we make progress towards these goals if we continue to just persist toward them. Well, it can be very um, it can be very frustrating if you're constantly looking at that big pile of things that you really want or that, like you talked about earlier, right. your passions that, right. that you really want to do. I know I'm, I'm mentoring a, a younger person that um, is in a new job and she's um, she wasn't really prepared for the job that she's in. Right. So she's got this mountain of of um, experience that she needs to gain. And it's all about every single day she's she comes to me and she says, you know, everything's going good, but there's just so much more that I wish I knew. And there's so much more I wish I, you know, already had the experience about. And I talked to her, as a matter of fact, um, what you just mentioned is exactly what I did. I talked to her yesterday about creating a, a gratitude journal. Right. And I told her, I said, at the end of every day, mm-hmm. it, um, write down the things that went well and what you're grateful for that you right. learned today. Yeah. And um, at first, you know, she was like, well, you know, what's, you know, what's that going to do? And I said, in reality, it's going to, 
it's going to help you focus on where you've already come mm -hmm. instead of focusing so much on where you still have to go. Mm -hmm. And this huge mountain of, you know, I'm not there yet. And it'll keep you, I think it keeps you more grounded. It does. Because it, it makes you realize, okay, I have accomplished a lot. And look at all these things and look at how far I've come. Mm -hmm. um, and look at, like you said, be grateful for what you already have. Mm -hmm. I think we do that. You know, when someone, when a tragedy happens in our world and we sort of see, you know, that somebody's just lost a parent or somebody's just, um, you know, lost a limb or, you know, is struggling with a particular illness or whatever it is, we are then grateful. We're like, oh my goodness gracious, I'm so glad, right. you know, that I have this. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to wait, you know, mm -hmm. for someone you love to lose a limb for you to recognize that I'm really glad that I'm able-bodied at this point mm -hmm. in my life, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, many of us do become disabled over the course of our lifetime. Mm -hmm. But when we're able-bodied, we totally take for granted the fact that we can get up and, you know, get out of bed by ourselves, with ourselves, that we can buy a car mm -hmm. that doesn't have any adaptive technology, that mm -hmm. we can use a computer with no adaptive technology, you know. Right. But even if it's just that you age in sort of normal ways, at some point, you know, you got to get the little readers and you got to mm -hmm. get, you know, the special lights and you might need mm -hmm. to get your books on Audible. So, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. most people lose their vision or their hearing or something like that over time, but we totally take for granted our vision and our hearing, <laughs> you know, our entire Absolutely, life. We and do. it's like, it's, it's, you know, so there's some just like basic things that we should really recognize. And again, that goes back to relationships and stuff too, because sometimes mm -hmm. why relationships get themselves in trouble, especially lifelong sort of committed relationships is that they get neglected. They mm -hmm. get taken for granted. You know, you just think that person is always going to be there. And so you don't put much energy sort of into that relationship. Right. Um, but if you're pretty much always treating them as your beloved, you know, as your bride or as your, you know, whoever it is, mm -hmm. if you do that, you know, all the time, then it never loses, you know, sort of any of that. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, again, it, it really is about recognizing what you have and investing in those things if you want to continue mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, again, um, you know, striving for those other kinds of things. I think your gratitude journal is fantastic. Psychologists have been talking about that for a long time. Well, I'm sure I've been through psych uh, many psychologists yeah. in my lifetime, and I'm sure that's where I got that idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you just mentioned that about taking, you know, not taking those personal relationships for granted. My mom always, it throws her when I call her randomly. Yeah. Because another one of my friends have lost a parent yep. or, you know, I see something on Facebook and all of a sudden my first thought is call my mom and thank her. Yep. And, you know, my mom is always taken aback because I apparently I don't do that as often as I and maybe should. <laughs> right. Um and then I just have to play off, oh, why are you calling me randomly and, you know, telling me how much you love me? Right. And then I have to tell her, well, mom, one of my friends just lost her mom, you know, right. and then all of a sudden it, it makes better sense. But yeah. if I did it more often, it wouldn't come so you know, out of the blue. Yeah. Um, another thing I do with um, with my husband, and, and I was laughing that I should have posted this on Facebook recently, but I married, when I married my husband, we've been married a little over four years now. And when I married him, I um, married him. One of the reasons I married him was because he cooks. Mm. And that was one of the things, this is my second marriage or what I'll call my final marriage. But that was one of the the learning lessons I learned was that I don't want, I don't like to cook. I don't mm -hmm. want to cook. And when I find a new, you know, potential husband, it's going to have to be somebody that cooks. <laughs> and so that was kind of one of the, you know, it wasn't one of the requirements, but it was one of the things that when I found somebody, it was like, okay, check that box off. Right. Yep. You know, he That's cooks. a fit. Exactly. It fits. Um, however, he and I have... Um, He's taken on a new job and our time is limited. Yeah. So one thing that we did to to make our lives a little bit more efficient, it was we started 
um, we started with Blue Apron, but now we're unplated. Yeah. And so we get the the meals delivered. Awesome. And the funny thing is because they're so easy, they come with a recipe card. And I tend to um, come home a little bit less stressed than he does. Mm-hmm. I'm the one in there making. And so I was <laughs> laughing that somehow this backfired on me, uh, that now I'm actually the one that's cooking. But uh, it absolutely fits into the work-life balance because yeah. he gets so much appreciation out of the fact that I'm in the kitchen yeah. doing it um, and, you know, preparing a meal. And it's actually decent, not like a meal that didn't come with a recipe card right. that I would prepare. It wouldn't be so good. But it's funny because it, it absolutely has to do with, um, you know, I have to be, I know I have to leave my office and get home before he's going to get home. Right. Because if he gets home first and being stressed and knowing, you know, I'm not home yet mm-hmm. and dinner hasn't been started. Right. You know, that does create some some more issues. So back mm-hmm. to what you were talking about, having a, a, a deadline and having a, a timeline, you know, to have to pick up children that are, sure. you know, not being able to stay in, you know, in childcare mm-hmm. later hours. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I don't have kids, setting those same kind of yeah, deadlines absolutely helps in our family for oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. I know. I always laugh when I go out of town. Uh, if my husband doesn't have a whole bunch of kids that he's sort of taking care of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he he'll have chips and salsa over the sink, you know. And I I just laugh about that. I'm like, you don't yeah. even sit down, you yeah. know. Like, yeah. and he's a great cook actually, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he just won't make the time for that, right. you know. Um, he's got so many other things that he's trying to manage mm-hmm. with me out of the household and mm-hmm. uh, chips and salsa over the sink, man. Yeah. That'll that'll hit the spot apparently. You know, that's funny because my husband the other night I had a late meeting and when I came home, um. And I had prepared, I had chopped up all sorts of stuff for taco salad. Mm-hmm. And when I opened up the the refrigerator and saw the stuff was still in there for taco salad, I kind of questioned him. And then it wasn't <laughs> until I opened up the trash can later that he had buffalo chicken dip and spinach dip. Uh-huh. And I don't know what he ate with them, but that's all he <laughs> ate for dinner. And so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's and just, again. Not knocking it, you know, no. sometimes, you know, there's been times I come home from private practice and a bowl of cereal, that's Absolutely. my dinner and I crawl into bed and I'm Absolutely. happy for it. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. love those Cheerios. But it's funny how that amount of time preparing a meal, you know, for him, he would much rather eat something that's probably less healthy, but will free up that extra time for yeah. him. Yeah. And I think and it, it makes a big difference. It does. And, and you have to make those choices, you know, I mean, there are you know, way, there's a reason fast food industry is, you know, doing what it's doing. And thank mm-hmm. goodness it's got all these healthy options out there now. Yes. Because, I mean, there really is something to being able to just quickly run through, drive through, feed everybody before you go to whatever it is you need mm-hmm. to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're juggling, like you said, you were working late, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you've got things where you have to work late or whatever it is. I mean, sometimes you just don't have time. Right. And uh, as much as I love all these great programs like, you know, Whole30 and Paleo and mm-hmm. all these other kinds of things mm-hmm. that you know, are really helping people really make some different choices in terms of getting in lots more vegetables. Mm -hmm. It is still not easy in our society to do that. And it is, um, it's so much easier to just, again, run through a drive-through and pick something Mm -hmm. up and, Mm -hmm. and there's a time and place for it. I think you just, it's, it's about that balance of, um, the excess, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing it every night, you probably need to reprioritize your health and you probably need to reprioritize your budget. Um, well, and that's what and I make would some say. time it's for about, the grocery store. It's about moderation, isn't it? it? Is. I mean, doing moderation. that every Absolutely. once in a while is okay. It's great. Yeah. You know, he's not going to gain any time. Right. He's not going to gain any weight because he had buffalo chicken dip and spinach dip no. for dinner. Right. But if he were to do that every single day, yeah. then absolutely that would be a problem. Right. He'd be missing some very important vitamins. Absolutely. <laughs> many, many vitamins. Many vitamins. Right. Well, mm-hmm. awesome. Okay. I want to ask you too, because you are so inspirational. And I know that this inspiration probably doesn't 
just come naturally? Do you do some things that help inspire you? Do you, are you like a quotes person? Are you, a, um, you know, read inspirational books or passages or different things like that? What are some of the things that, that help you um, overcome maybe some of the negative that's going on or some of the, you know, other things that pull at you? I have to say that, you know, being a psychologist, um, you know, people always, they'll ask, you know, like, gosh, you know, as a psychologist, how do you do that? How do you not get burnt out? How do you not, you know, um, you know, carry your work home with you? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But what I have found as a psychologist is that, um, people are amazing. They are so resilient, so beautiful, just so incredible. And so for me, the opportunity to sit with somebody who's been through something really awful, uh, the kind of trauma that, you know, you just don't even want to imagine. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting in front of me and they're breathing in and out Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're functioning in our society Mm -hmm. and they've been through whatever it is they've been through. Uh, The resiliency in people is so inspirational to me. And when you're a psychologist, you have that resiliency in front of you all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, do they know it though? Cause I bet when they're sitting there in front of you, they're not, they're not spewing, you know, resiliency. resilience. No. no. So you're pulling that out of right. just knowing their story and knowing that they've survived yeah. and, and they're, you know, wherever they're at, they're doing. Well, people expect themselves, you know, I mean, they could be, you know, an incest survivor or a survivor of significant physical trauma as a child or, you know, have been in a horrific car accident or have lost their children or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, and they just expect that somehow, you know, I'm supposed to, you know, I don't know, move on, get over this. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you do, you know, uh, in terms of those things, but, um, to just watch people sort of in that process and just be able to kind of reflect back to them, like, no, there's a reason you feel the way you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's okay to feel the way you do. Um, and we're going to help you sort of get out of that sort of over time, but let's not take away you know, from something, something's happened here that's mm-hmm. really, uh, hard. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and when you start to help people recognize that they just light up, you know, and they start to recognize their own strength, you know, I'm so mm-hmm. often take an individual and I'm relabeling, they label themselves in some way as a failure sure. or as a, you know, a bad mother. Yeah. As, they, they're labeling themselves in all these different mm-hmm. ways that are really negative. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're looking at. You right. know, I see this amazing person in front of me who mm-hmm. survived this and survived this and survived this. And then they start to, you just see it. You can see it in their posture. You know, they sit up a little bit, you know, taller and they sort of recognize like, oh yeah, that, that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything that isn't true. I'm not blowing smoke at them. Right. I'm telling them the truth. Exactly. Like you survived this. Yeah. Do you realize you survived this? I was going to say they're not acknowledging, they're not, they're acknowledging everything that's happened to them except that one piece. Right. The survival part. Right. Yes. And the fact that again, they're still breathing in and out. They drove mm-hmm. here today. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're yeah. sober. They're yeah. sitting there. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. people inspire me. Mm-hmm. They really That's do. Amazing. I mean, people, you know, as much darkness is in the world. And I don't say that there isn't, you know, sure. I mean, I, there's, there's lots of tragedy happening. I always say to folks, you know, if you live long enough, tragedy will touch your door. It just will. But there's also light, you know, and there's so much goodness, uh, out there every day. And it's just sort of like your gratitude journal. You know, if you look for all that is there. I mean, there's so much love in this world, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. there's so much giving and caring. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's part of what I love, you know, about being an American or about living in the panhandle or Mm -hmm. Pensacola or gosh, the University of West Florida. I mean, 
University of West Florida is the most caring place. You know, they genuinely care about students, genuinely. And you see it in all kinds of different actions all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that it's amazing. And again, if you look for that, you know, you mm-hmm. see all of these different things. And even in tragedy, there are all of these kinds of things. My brother is um, special forces. Uh, he's a, a ranger. And uh, when he was in Bakuba, Iraq, uh, actually a number of years ago, he stepped on an IED. Mm. And uh, we got that phone call to say, you know, that he was being medevaced to Germany. And um, we didn't know if he was going to make it. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what was going on. Um, but, uh, you know, he ended up being okay. But he spent some time at Walter Reed and came back stateside before he deployed again. Wow. And um, while he was home... Uh, a couple of other members um, that he knew well, uh, unfortunately, were killed. Wow. And um, with that huge tragedy, one of the things that it was able to happen because Anthony, my brother, was uh, was home, was he was able to attend those funerals. Wow. So he was at those funerals with those parents, and he had served with those men, and he was able to comfort them in a way that no one else could have comforted them. And he could say, I just saw them, you know, two weeks Mm -hmm. ago and they are these amazing people and whatever. And it's like, so in this tragedy, there was something that touched someone else in a way that no one else could have touched, you know. And that would have never happened if he hadn't have had the accident that he had. No, he would have been deployed still. He would have been over in Bakuba with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But his injury, which, you know, again, none of us would have wished for because it's, you know. Of course. You know, he's missing mm-hmm. some parts, <laughs> you know, no limbs or anything. He's, right. he's, you know, deployed currently. Um, but, um, but he's got some holes. There's some, you know, mm-hmm. there's some serious chunks of skin missing. Sure. Um, but that provided an opportunity for him to be there for some families that really needed that because they had a different loss. They That's weren't amazing. as lucky as we were. We were lucky yeah. that, you know, Anthony, mm-hmm. uh, you know, survived and is mm-hmm. still healthy. They, they lost their service member, yeah. their loved one, yeah. but there was something there, um, that was light still, you know, I was going to say what a blessing for those families yeah. to be able to have that kind of, not that, um, and I don't know that I would call it closure, but, but to yeah. have that, personal, um, that personal admiration for the person that they lost coming from somebody that was right there that knew them, that saw them recently, that served with them, served with them and would have probably rather it be him Mm -hmm. rather than them. I mean, just that level of just, Mm -hmm. I mean, human love. Yeah. Um, that's amazing for the families. It's crazy. You know, when you meet those gold star families, you know, that have lost someone, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. there's so much tragedy. I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing <laughs> more tragic probably yeah. than, than losing someone uh, in that way. And yet they are inspiring and there's always mm-hmm. light there. And so when you ask me, you know, like, what is it that kind of helps me? Mm-hmm. It is keeping in the forefront of my mind all of the things that I do have, you know, mm-hmm. all of the gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, my ability to function, my, my family, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, my work, my brain, you know, like just mm-hmm. all of the different things that I have. I'm sort of, you know, I'm grateful for all those things. And I'm recognizing everywhere around me, even in tragedy, the little bits of light that are still present. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, there's just, again, they're not necessarily always silver linings, but if you look for it, you'll see light even in tragedies, um, in little kind of places. And then there's other places where there's just a flood of light. 
you right. know, right. and everybody can see it. And we just see people giving of themselves in all kinds of different ways. I know this mm-hmm. region certainly saw that after Hurricane Ivan. Absolutely. Where, you know, I mean, neighbors met neighbors and they were helping, you know, get those blue tarps on the mm-hmm. thing and they were sharing what was in their freezer and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all these kinds of things. It was, you know, it was a horrible tragedy economically mm-hmm. for the region. And yet, there were some things that came out of it, some new relationships, some ways in which people really cared about each other, Mm -hmm. just some funny times, you know, Uh, and those things are always there. And so I look for that in my life. I look all the time for what's good in the world. And, and if I'm really struggling, I go to the water. Yeah. Yeah. Water is so healing. Oh, it's It's so healing. You can just see when you're at the Mm -hmm. water and you just, you know, the world is bigger than you, you know, your problems are really small, you know, and you can just sort of recognize that and see that and reflect and be like, okay, let me Mm -hmm. get a grip on this. You know, I had a bad breakup years and years ago and, and, um, I have no idea, but of course I wander into bookstores from time to time into Mm -hmm. the personal, you know, the, the, you know, self healing sections. And I found a book and it was something about how to, how to get over a guy in 30 days, or it was, um, something to do with the title had to do with water Mm. and every single chapter, it walked you through an entire month and Mm -hmm. you did something with water, whether Mm -hmm. it was be conscious, you know, when you're bathing, Mm -hmm. you know, and feel the water flow over you and different things like that, or go look at a body of water or, you know, and it was, it, it amazed me at how healing Oh yeah, the power of water is the sound of water, the touch of water. I mean, it's just, um, and then your, your concept of, of knowing that you're small and the water is such a, you know, vast, amazing, um, area. It was, it was kind of cool. So I guess there was some psychological background to, to that. Um, but it worked for me. I was, I was shocked at how easily just stuff like, you know, when you take a shower, being conscious of, you know, of receiving that water and what it's doing for your body and how healing it is. And, and, you know, and, and focusing more on that than focusing on the head trash, you know, and the (laughs) stuff that, you know, that you're thinking about, oh, you know, poor me and, you know, this and that. Yeah. 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 It is. It's about grounding yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, what you're talking about, about us looking for that inspiration and constantly looking for the positive. Um, is there a reason that we slant more towards the negative? I mean, I always thought, you know, society does that to us a lot. You know, you can't watch any commercial on TV without without it trying to tell you that you don't have something that that maybe you should have, whether it's the next, you know, best house or or car or clothes or or figure or, you know, anything like that. Um, also internally, you know, we tend to judge ourselves and we tend to, you know, focus on some of that negative. So, um, and I think I even read somewhere that it's easier to frown than it is to smile. (laughs) Like it takes less muscles to frown than it does to smile, you Mm -hmm. know, just different things like that. Why do we slant that way? Mm -hmm. Why is it always tilted towards the negative that we have to do things to change, to, to be aware of the positive? Well, I think, is there any background behind that? I think this is just me speaking, Mm -hmm. but I think we try and avoid pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think human beings really want to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. And there's probably something relevant about that, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, from a sort of religious background and you want to sort of think about that in terms of why would God create us where we were, you know, trying to avoid pain or or sort of evolutionarily sort of speaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, avoiding pain is probably good in some ways, right? You know, um, you know, there's a reason that if you get really sick on something, you don't eat it again, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, we're kind of set up to recognize all of these things that are sort of wrong and sort of try and prevent. You know, I think we're like big prevention tools, you Mm -hmm. know, like, ooh, I don't want to feel that way again. Right. Um, Or I don't want to go through that again. And Mm -hmm. so let me see how I can figure this out and sort of prevent it. So we're focused on the negative sort of I think for a positive reason, it's just if you get 
grounded in that. You know, it's like a good critic um, gives you lots of feedback, but a good critic also tells you how you can improve it. Sure. You know, I mean, you were talking about cooking earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody just says, you know, you burn this. You know, um, it's not really that helpful to sort of like figure out how to do it differently. Mm -hmm. But if somebody instead says, you know, when you saute the butter, what you want to do is swirl it around mm -hmm. and make sure, you know, that you're caramelizing the onions in this way, you know, mm -hmm. and they're, they're walking you through it. And again, they're still giving you the same feedback of sort of saying we're preventing it burning, mm -hmm. you know, um, we're going to, we're going to turn the heat down a little bit now, you know, mm -hmm. and again, they're sort of walking you through that. So it's about sort of being a good critic where you are, um, you know, it's not that you're, you know, giving yourself an A on everything. Right. But you're not just putting a big red F and leaving it at that. Right. You know, you're going through and you're giving the feedback and you're saying you need a topic sentence here and your paragraph needs to do this. And then at the end, it needs to summarize. And mm -hmm. a good critic gives you sort of ways to improve and also mm -hmm. recognizes those things that there really isn't a problem with, you know. Sure. So, um, you know, again, it's going back to moderation, going back to balance, you know, mm -hmm. you know, destroying yourself with your criticisms or your negativity is not going to be helpful to you in the long run. You can't mm -hmm. help many people, you can't take care of yourself even. Right. Um, but if in moderation, you are secure enough in yourself to sort of say, that wasn't my best job. And you know what? I can do better next time. And this is how I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to improve by X, Y, Z, you know, mm -hmm. um, then that's a great plan. And you can implement that plan and you can move forward with that plan and you can feel positive about that plan. Mm -hmm. And we can do that in all kinds of different ways. Again, I always say to folks when they, you know, like want to lose weight or whatever, I'm like, add fruits and vegetables, you know, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to take things out. Right. Just adding fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. can make a really big difference to folks. It fills you up. You know, right. you're satisfied. The fruit is such a sweet tooth kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you eat fruit after you finish a meal, you may or may not want the ice cream. If you do, okay, go ahead and have some. Sure. But you might not, actually. Right. It might, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of those little halos might just do the mm -hmm. trick for you. Mm -hmm. And when you add in fruits and vegetables, um, you know, it makes a difference. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a metaphor you can use for other sorts of things mm -hmm. where, um, again, it's not always about taking things away. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's about what good things can you add in how can you sort of reassess the situation and sort of move forward without degrading yourself? Right. Um, you well, know. it's kind of like it goes back to New Year's resolutions. And um, a lot of people, when they make New Year's resolutions, and this always frustrated me, that they always pick things that they want to stop doing. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> when I look at New Year's resolutions, I always tell people, I want to start doing more things. Right. I want to build more habits. And, right. and sometimes even that word habit a lot of times has a negative connotation mm -hmm. because people think habits are bad. Right. Well, I think there's two different types of habits. Mm -hmm. There's bad habits and there's good habits. Right. And having a habit, I think, is a great thing because you're programming yourself to do something naturally. Yes. But if you pick something that's a good habit, then you're programming yourself to do something naturally that's good for you mm -hmm. versus programming yourself to do something naturally that's bad for you. Right. So just like you said, replacing, instead of just taking away, replacing with something that's positive. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can make a big difference. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, this has been amazing. Rebecca, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, it's today. my pleasure, Colleen. I mean, I'm just loving what you do here. And uh, really, we're inspired by you. I hope you realize that, you know, uh, you know, the women that are listening to this, all the people that are sort of taking advantage of this. I mean, really, you're giving such a gift here to everybody. I mean, well, look at the, the light 
uh, you know, that you're bringing into the world of so many people as you're sort of just helping us to grow and sort of stretch and, and learn new things. Thank you so much for saying that. I do tell people this is a community and it's not, it's not my organization, even though sometimes they do act like, you know, it is mine and it's my, it is my baby. Um, but there's so many more people that help with this process and you're, you know, you being here today, giving us this content. I mean, I am, ex- you know, amazingly grateful for everything that you shared today. I'd love to talk to you for another four hours, but I know you've got <laughs> other things to do. Um, so I just really graciously appreciate um, your time today. Thank it's you been so my much. absolute pleasure. This has been amazing. You've been listening to Dr. Rebecca Kennedy, and she is the Assistant Vice President, Director of Counseling and Psychological Services at the University of West Florida. If you would like to get to know her a little bit better, I'm sure you could find her Um, She does have her lean-in circle that she does with the university. So if you're a graduate student or if you're a university staff and you haven't taken her up on that, I would absolutely encourage you to do that because I can imagine the amazing information that you guys share um, during that as well. And anybody else that's listening, if you'd like more information about Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, again, our contact methods are our website, which is PowerfulWomenGulfCoast.com or our Facebook page, Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. Again, we do monthly networking meetings. We have an annual conference coming up in October. We do a quarterly print magazine, and we also do Power Up. And so if you're interested in any of those, you don't have to be a woman to take part in some of our different events and our programs. So check us out on our website or on our Facebook page and get more information. And we hope you join us soon at one of our uh, different meetings or one of our different events. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Mm -hmm.